Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. If you want to improve your communication skills in English, there might be a few things that need your attention. So in this lesson, I'm sharing 10 bad communication habits to avoid when speaking English. The first step is to notice which of these habits you might currently have and then slowly break them over time. It's not going to happen immediately and that's okay. All right, so if you're ready, let's get started. you listen to the items that we discussed today in this lesson, you might notice that you have one, two, or more of these habits that need breaking. It's entirely possible to boost your communication skills by ditching these bad habits and knowing what to do instead. All right, are you ready for the first bad communication habit to quit? Number one is mumbling. So mumbling is when you speak under your breath. This is problematic because the listeners will absolutely have trouble hearing what you said. So to prevent mumbling, speak a touch more slowly and loudly. Be sure that you're engaging the diaphragm to power the breath. This will allow you to speak louder in an effortless way without harming your vocal cords. Think about enunciating each and every word. If you still catch yourself mumbling, try to exaggerate with your mouth shape as you say each word. In American English, you've probably noticed that we use our mouths a lot. They expand and widen as we pronounce words and vowels. This helps with articulation and is an antidote to mumbling. Number two, fillers. The next bad communication habit to break is using fillers. Do you use um, ah, eh, uh, hmm while speaking? Using a filler word here and there is not a huge deal, but it can be problematic in high quantities. Meaning if every other utterance is a filler word, then it's time to scale it back. The remedy to fillers is silence. Adding an extra pause, just a teeny one, just to think about what you're going to say next or process the information being shared with you is really all you need. So the next time you get tempted to say, um, or ah, uh, swap it out with a pause. The silence is just what you need in that very instance. Number three, a trailing voice. It wasn't really until I spent part of my career as a news anchor for an international news channel that I noticed that I myself would have a trailing voice at the end of my sentences. So I noticed early in my anchoring days that I was able to ditch it pretty quickly. It can be problematic when your voice trails off at the end of your sentence because you're basically leaving the listeners hanging 
without meaning to. <laughs> this is not your intention. And so they won't hear everything that you meant for them to hear because to them, you haven't finished the sentence yet. So in order to remedy this, pay extra attention to increasing your volume and articulating the words as you wrap up your sentence or finish your thoughts. Number four, overuse of certain words. So overusing specific words or phrases quickly can become noticeable to the listener and they'll start just focusing on that. So like, you know, right, using that several times in your sentence and maybe even within the same breath can be highly distracting for the listeners. Be mindful of the words or the phrases that you tend to overuse and try to cut back. So instead of, you know, put a pause in there. It's totally okay to have a few seconds of silence here and there. It's not noticeable. A few short pauses is much better than overused words. Number five, up talk. Up talk is when an utterance ends with a rising intonation and increased inflection pattern rather than a lowering intonation and decreased inflection. The trouble with this is that up talk might come across as a little bit less professional, assertive, or credible. So to avoid up talk to the best of your ability, you need to make sure that you're not raising your voice at the end of a sentence if it's not a question. So if you're not asking a question, then you really want to think about lowering your voice at the end of each sentence so that you definitely steer clear of up talk. Over time, it will help decrease the amount of up talk that is happening. Number six, avoiding eye contact. In the American English language culture, eye contact is very, very important. If you don't look someone in the eye as you speak and engage with them, it might look as though you're concealing something from them or not being truthful. It sends the message that you are hiding something. So making eye contact is a sign of confidence as well as trustworthiness. So if you're speaking to American English speakers, eye contact will be very high on the list. So be sure to check that one off your communication strategies to-do list. You're not staring into their eyes for the duration of the talk or the conversation. That would be uncomfortable, right? You can look left, you can look right, you can look up and down, but also be sure that you're looking into the person's eyes as well. And it's especially important to look at the person as they speak to you because it shows that you're paying attention and that you're engaged. If you're the only one talking at the moment, then you can take a break from eye contact here and there and avert your gaze because this happens naturally, right? When we're making eye contact, we are not just staring at the person. That would be very awkward. So be careful not to stare at the person. That is not what we mean by making eye contact because that will quickly make them feel uncomfortable and they will be weirded out by it. It's really about striking a balance. So my pro tip here is if you're struggling with looking people in the eye as you speak to them, here's what you do. Okay. First of all, be sure that you're not shifting from one eye to the other. Sometimes we see that in close-ups in film and TV. 
the shifting eyes because that will make it seem like you're nervous and being awkward. What instead you can do is aim for the space between their eyebrows or even their nose. And believe it or not, that will feel to them like you're making eye contact. Seven, standing too close. Another big no-no in the communication specific to, again, American English language culture context has to do with personal space. As Americans, we like and treasure our personal space. What does that mean? If someone stands too close to us, it can quickly feel as though they are invading our personal space. And that feels uncomfortable and highly intrusive. The general rule is to stand at about an arm's length from the person, right? So if you can just put your arms out like that, that is the best place, the distance at which you can stand. Now, this is specifically true for people that we don't really know that well or are in a more professional setting. Think coworkers, colleagues, your boss. For people that we feel closer to, you can actually stand a little bit closer. In fact, that's more expected in some ways, depending on the person. But a general rule of thumb, if you don't know the person very well, like if they're an acquaintance or if it's a professional and business context, you should stand at about an arm's length distance from them. That feels comfortable. And if they are comfortable with you, then they might take a step forward and that's okay. And if you're not comfortable with that, then you can take a little step backwards. That will send the message that you would actually like to keep more space between the two of you. And that is totally fine. Again, it's expected in the American English language culture context. Keep in mind that when people stand closer to each other, it's indicative of how close they feel in their relationship. So for example, good friends will stand closer to each other than acquaintances. That's because they know each other very well. They have already established rapport and a sense of closeness, and they feel comfortable in each other's presence. So for good friends, family, and people close to you, you can stand close to each other because of the pre-existing familiarity to each other. But as I said, in professional and business relationships and with new acquaintances, and especially in the business context, like we said, the personal space rule applies. So be mindful of not standing too close or invading personal space. Stand no closer than the length of your arm if you were to measure the distance between you and the other person, and you will be a-okay. Number eight, raising your voice and losing your temper. This one is probably universally across cultural context, a bad communication habit that needs to be broken. If you're naturally someone who has a louder voice, volume in addition to tone of voice are something to pay extra attention to. The antidote to raising your voice and losing your temper at the same time is to try and be as calm as you can. If someone says something to trigger or upset you, it's much better that you remove yourself from the situation until you have had time to collect your thoughts and calm your nerves. Excuse yourself and take time to calm yourself down. Doing breathing exercises can really, really help alleviate the tension 
and prevent you from unleashing the tempest out on the audience or the listeners. I know that this is easier said than done, especially in a heated situation, so it's really important to practice that ahead of time. Work on de-escalating and on centering yourself so that you don't find yourself raising your voice or losing your temper, which you will regret after the fact. Number nine, using profanities. It goes without saying that using profane language is a major faux pas. You might be nodding your head right now in agreement saying, of course, I absolutely agree with that. But I can't tell you how many times I have heard people use profanity simply because they saw a character from a movie or a television show talk this way. While there's a great use of profanity in film and on television, that doesn't mean that it's okay to talk like that in real life. In fact, it's highly rude and quite inappropriate, especially if you are in a professional setting or if you don't know the person very well. If you have a what we call mouth of a sailor, using a lot of profanities, then you'll really want to be high alert with your word choice because it might be automatic at this point, right? If you notice that you can't help yourself from using them, then swap out the profanity with an innocuous word like shoot or shucks or darn or come up with your own word if you like. Whatever will prevent you from using profanities. Number 10, not defining anything. All right, so well done. You've made it to the end. So the last habit to break is not defining anything. This means that if you use terms, acronyms, abbreviations, unfamiliar words, or technical jargon that the listener does not understand, then you need to define that for them. Just because you might be having a conversation with a native English speaker doesn't mean that they know the meaning of every abbreviation, term, or technical jargon that you might know and throw at them. It would be a huge mistake to assume that. So you're much better off defining the terminology from the get-go. And if they already know the meaning ascribed to those terms that you use, then they'll say so. But don't assume that they do. If you don't define anything and just expect the listeners to glean meaning from context, it's the equivalent to leaving the listeners in the dust as you ride off into the sunset. All right, so those are the 10 communication habits to avoid when speaking in English. If you find that you have more than one or two of these bad habits to break, Don't feel overwhelmed by any means. Just start with one at a time. Figure out which ones take top priority for you based on your line of work and or personal situation. So to recap, the 10 bad communication habits to avoid when speaking in English, particularly in the American English language culture context, mumbling, fillers, trailing off your voice, where your voice trails off at the end of the sentence, overuse of certain words or phrases like, like, you know, etc. Using up talk, not making eye contact or staring at the person uncomfortably, standing too close and invading personal space, raising your voice and losing your temper, 
using profane language and not defining terms, acronyms, or abbreviations. All right, so keep this list handy and work on implementing the antidote slowly but surely. And pretty soon you will notice that one by one, you have broken these bad communication habits. And when you do, your communication skills will dramatically improve and people will be so impressed. You might even have to give them some of your tips. All right, advanced English learners, thank you very much for joining me for this lesson. Great job on making it this far. Which of these bad communication habits are you going to start breaking first? Do you think you'll start implementing the antidote as quickly as your next conversation? Did anything here surprise you? Feel free to share that experience with us in the comments down below. I will see you in the next one where we're going to continue advancing your English together. Until then, keep up the awesome work and I'll see you soon. Bye for now.